In episode 9 of the Supercharged Podcast, we speak to Malcolm Saunders, the co-founder and creative visionary behind The Light Cellar, a magical shop in Calgary dedicated to all things superfoods, herbs, intuitive eating, and nutrient elevation. For anyone that has ever been in this beautiful space, you know firsthand the inspiration that naturally envelops you upon walking in the doors. At The Light Cellar, you will find row upon row of alchemy, melt-in-your-mouth chocolates, elixirs, tonics, and ferments, along with a team of amazing humans that seriously have major plant knowledge. You are surely The Light Cellar ready to live your healthiest, most enlightened, and in our view, your most supercharged life. In this podcast, we sit down with Malcolm, a natural community connector, and talk about his first love. In this case, we're not referring to his beautiful wife, Laura, with whom he founded The Light Cellar with but rather the most affordable luxury in the world, chocolate. Here we learn the true beauty, art, and even the mystery behind this nutrient-dense fruit. We learn more about where and how the cacao bean is grown, how it is wildly fermented, the art behind the drying process, and discuss some of the most damaging processes to chocolate production today. As Canada's third chocolatier, Malcolm shares some of the misconceptions surrounding chocolate marketing, the growth in a growing craft chocolate marketplace, and perhaps most importantly, how to source and taste great chocolate, outside the light cellar, of course. This intimate deep dive into an ingredient so many of us consider a guilty pleasure with our good friend Malcolm was truly an honor. So please sit back, soak in the wonderful world of chocolate, and prepare to love this delicious treat even more than you already do. So today, and obviously I'm probably going to say I'm excited every single time we do this because it's true, we are thrilled to have Malcolm Saunders here um, with us to talk about chocolate and his love for cacao and our therefore grown love of cacao. But before we get started, I, I we really have to clarify that this journey with Malcolm has become part of our story too. And I think that he was like, he's our herb and mushroom and sauerkraut and He's our man. He's our man <laughs> in this world, and we've come to a shop for years, and I think just like you'd go somewhere to pick up your milk or your newspaper or your favorite flowers, this is where we've come to fill our, our cabinets with superfoods for so long. So it's absolutely an honor to chat with Malcolm as he's helped us tremendously in our journey of the Gut Lab. And um, before I go on, I guess I think the perfect place to start is just, Malcolm, how did the light cellar come to be? How are you... The cacao mushroom superfood man and and yeah, where did it, how did this start? All right, yeah. Well, thank you for having me on the show. And uh, where do I start? How did it all begin? It was definitely uh, been cacao fueled the whole way all along. Um, started in my basement about 10, 12 years ago. Um, after some journeys of kind of traveling around the world, uh, living on my backpack. And yeah, having a little one on the way, realizing that I needed to show up in the world and create a livelihood. And I was at this crossroads of, do I study nutrition, which I'd already been doing just kind of myself exploring that world, or do I go to baking school? And uh, <laughs> which is kind of funny to think baking school. I, I think for me, that was the candida talking. Um, yeah, right. <laughs> at, the, at the time, I was a vegetarian and it was more of a carbitarian, sugaraholic, which baked goods, flour, that kind of thing was, was a big part of my diet. I'm glad I chose nutrition, did not go to baking school. And that's what started uh, that pursuit even further deeper down that rabbit hole, learning how to, to feed and nourish myself. And everything I've learned along the way, I've just wanted to share with others. And that started with teaching workshops out of my basement. And uh, yeah, I had to access to a lot of foods that I had discovered when I was down in uh, the US working there for about a year and a half. Oh no, sorry, I wasn't working down there. I was uh, volunteering. You're volunteering. Yes. <laughs> huh. Right. Yeah, right. Uh, scratch that. Um, <laughs> I was living down there for a while. And uh, when I come back to Calgary, uh, I was born and raised here, but I had been leaving ever since I could. You know, grass was always greener and, and it's good to kind of leave and mm -hmm. develop oneself and, and explore. And, but coming back to Calgary, we, we decided to be here. Um, you know, like, let's, let's create the community. And in that, there wasn't much going on. And uh, at the time, cacao, as a, as a really good example, there was one health food store in town that sold quote unquote raw cacao powder. We can really? get into what does that mean? And, you know, because that term has been applied to cacao and to chocolate, and it mm -hmm. may actually not exactly be true. So Yay. we can get into that. And this is <laughs> Yeah, right. It's suspenseful. This was only 10, 12 years ago. You yeah. Said, but there was 
So, okay. you know, prior to that time, and, and this is the whole kind of wonderful mystery and magic of chocolate, um, there was a point in time where cacao beans were a one-ton minimum quantity order, like to get your hands on the raw material. Mm -hmm. So there's a saying about chocolate, the most widely consumed nut in the world that no one ever eats. Meaning, we've all grown up loving chocolate, enjoying chocolate. But as someone that got into whole foods in a big extreme way, like literally, I was pretty extreme. I wouldn't eat anything out of a package, prepared mm -hmm. everything myself some from scratch, wouldn't even go to restaurants. Only food that I know I had prepared someone myself or someone I knew had prepared mm -hmm. from scratch. Well, except for one thing. <laughs> chocolate there I was whole few curriculum you know like I don't need to eat white flour I don't eat white sugar yeah, yeah. but I ate candy bars yeah so I can't eat the talking yeah. um love chocolate didn't want to give it up but yet had not made that connection that I could make it myself right mm -hmm. chocolate's been this biggest mystery we've all known it as candy bars as cocoa powder right. not the whole food the original food so at that time like literally you could not find it one ton minimum quantity order um, it started to make its way into the health food world um, as cacao and mm -hmm. cacao powder was the first product on the market. $55 a pound at one health food store in Calgary. That's what? it. That's all you could find of quote unquote right. raw cacao. Yeah. Uh, I knew where I could get it uh, from the States at a supplier. I think I, I remember I could buy it for $12. $12. Um, so my plan was to sell it for 54. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> In fact, I think I ended up selling it for 13. Yeah, it was like, oh my yeah. gosh, I didn't even cover my shipping on there. I realized later. Um, but I, I, you know, I'd buy like a, you know, 10 pound box and I would use some myself. I was making chocolate at the time. And then my workshops, I'd have those ingredients available afterwards. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of how it started. Just, just teaching people and then providing access to things that I was into that I was using that you just couldn't find, right? Was that the first workshop, was it chocolate making that you were doing? Yeah, well, time? I was doing three. It was doing uh, chocolate making, fermentation, and kind of just a general, more like raw food, superfood right. workshop. Did this satisfy your, your desire to go to baking school? Like the idea of like investigating <laughs> chocolate, like this is my dessert world, essentially. Well, right, yeah, I mean, I... Just, just being being a creator, being a mm -hmm. maker, I've always uh, had chef tendencies. Um, so yeah, I wanted to fulfill that just, just to make things to, to create and, and chocolate just inspires creativity. There's mm -hmm. so much you can do with it and so many different variations. So did you have one initial like chocolate experience where you were like, this is like the golden, the golden bar versus like or what you were you saying, like... it was so hard to find. Like you would have been satisfying yeah. it with a, I don't know, Kit Kat or. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was more of a journey, a progression. Like you go down the rabbit hole, like you start with like. Oh, you know, I've just been eating candy bars all this time, right? And you think about like, oh, I should be getting an organic and a fair trade and that kind of thing. Um, and yeah, you just keep going down the rabbit hole. What most people don't realize is that most chocolate on the market, the, the maker or the brand may actually not be the maker. They probably don't even make their own chocolate. So I was, I believe, the third chocolate maker in Canada at that time. Um, so yeah. more wow. of a co-packing facility type mentality or? Well, they're, they're melters and repackagers. Right. Yeah. So they're buying uh, bulk chocolate, mm -hmm. melting it down, repackaging it as their own. Yeah. Uh, more in a kind of a chocolatier style. Mm -hmm. And you were the third one in Canada. Yeah. That is, that's a, that's an award that's base there. <laughs> <laughs> like we said, he's the chocolate man. So, okay, I don't, I actually, like, I love to eat chocolate, and I come to the light cellar for my chocolate. Um, I've tried to make it at home, but it's not quite as successful. I haven't taken your class yet, that's probably why. Oh. <laughs> I was trial and error myself. Yeah. But I don't know that much about how it grows, where it grows, what it looks like when you find it in the wild. And I think mm -hmm. you even found it, was it at the zoo recently? Yeah, actually. So the first time I ever saw cacao, yeah. the you know where it comes from, the tree, etc. It was, it was actually in Vancouver at okay. the aquarium in their whole kind of greenhouse area. Yeah. And it's so unmistakable. Um, I don't know if I've, got, I've got pots all over the place, mm -hmm. but we won't be able to translate that to the radio here. <laughs> it's um, kind of 
brownie. <laughs> yeah, well, so it, well, we could, we can describe it. So it, it's actually not too dissimilar to an acorn squash in size and its firmness and texture on the outside. Okay. Um, and it can come in all different kinds of colors. So all the way from yellow to purples to deep dark reds, uh, sometimes slightly orange. There's so many different varieties of cacao. Is that there. dependent on the geographical region predominantly? Like yeah, yeah. Big, yellow is more, I don't know, African or aquarium from Vancouver. I don't know. Like is that <laughs> de- is that the qualifiers sometimes? Uh not not quite. No. Because so many different varieties are just moving all around mm-hmm. the world. Um so that's the fruit yeah, of the tree. Yeah, so that's the so basically it's a it's a fruit and it's got this pod. Uh, of which all the cacao beans, uh, it's technically a nut, uh, are inside that pod. And there's anywhere from 30 to 50 inside a pod. And they're covered in a white, almost translucent, like juicy, like fruit, Um, like a mangosteen. If you've ever seen a mangosteen, crack those open. That fruit is very similar. It's it's described as a a mucilage, actually. Yeah, And and it doesn't ship well. That's why we've never... You don't see it up here. I'm not sure if you ever will. Cacao, fresh cacao fruit. Yeah. Um, we've got some cacao fruit juice coming. This is, uh, oh, this is cool. something we're, like, it should be arriving any day now. We've what? been waiting on this. Um, it's, <laughs> what makes it not ship well? Is it just like the... It's a it's a heavy weight, um, the pot itself, and it doesn't, doesn't have a long shelf life. Mm. Yeah. And then the fruit is, there's not a ton of it in each pod, so you're just shipping a lot of weight because, oh. um, again... Like the acorn squash, that analogy, that's the shell. And then inside you've got cacao beans covered in this white fruit. The white fruit is very thin, uh, doesn't last long. It's the beans, the nuts inside, that's what makes chocolate. Okay, so that's what, so from those little nuts or beans, then how does it get to be what we see on the shelves? Yeah, absolutely. So it goes through this whole journey. So first uh, harvested, and then the very first thing that happens to the cacao beans is they're fermented. So chocolate is a fermented food. Just always. That's yeah, just... always. You can, you know, I, I've seen some unfermented cacao beans, but it, it's not very common. Okay. Uh, cacao is actually very high in phytic acid. And so from kind of a nutritional perspective, you know, why would they ferment it? What's going on there? Well, one of the reasons is flavor. It helps develop the flavor. We're going to hopefully talk mm-hmm. chocolate flavor later on in our conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, has just a little insight, a little a teaser. It has three <laughs> times more flavor compounds than wine. Wow. So, you know, people love to like, you know, slip their wine and swish it and swirl oh, yeah. it and taste it and pick up on like, oh, notes of cherry and oak and all this stuff. Well, chocolate's got three times more depth to it um, than wine does, you know, and the whole spectrum of varieties that offer different flavors. Mm-hmm. But you have to have the real stuff. You have the good stuff. Right. What most of us have been eating and consuming all this time doesn't offer that for that spectrum. And not only the variety, but how it's produced is created in a way to produce just one straight flat flavor that we know of as chocolate, right? Right. Just like chocolate, that's it. Chocolate brownie, it's it's dark, it's deep, it's delicious. Nothing wrong with it, but there's no nuance. Mm -hmm. And most of us associate chocolate with being bitter, like that would be the number one flavor descriptor. Mm -hmm. Uh, But you can have sour notes, you can have fruity notes, you can have so much else Mm -hmm. other than just bitter. So one of the first steps to bringing out this profile is the fermentation process yeah so i picture like a big sauerkraut jar but filled with <laughs> cacao beans how far off am i right um, you're fairly far off yeah how does that how do you do it i'm yeah. for us all right it? so imagine uh, so it can be done a whole number of ways um kind of as simple and, and and as crudely as cracking the pods open and just dumping the fruit with the beans uh in a pile so just a wild yeah just a wild ferment yeah and literally like they might spread some banana leaves down dump the fruit on top and it's the fruit what initiates that fermentation the sweetness Mm -hmm. the wild bacteria the yeast everything completely drawn to it and and then this spontaneous fermentation happens well typically Mm -hmm. how long is that yeah great 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 question it can last anywhere from uh three to ten days so it's it's a quite it's a fast turnaround, mm-hmm. essentially. Let the sun it do its is. thing or the... Yeah, and, and 10 is extreme. So typically it's three, four, or five. And actually, where the cutting edge of chocolate is going is in the fermentation. That's mm. so neat. 
Yeah. Cutting edge chocolate. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. So, you know, just, just to step up just uh, our back, just a, just a moment here. So we talked about, um, yeah, chocolate makers, like this, this idea of craft, you know, like craft beer is exploding. Right, right. Craft chocolate is also exploding. It's a few years behind. So, yeah, 10 years ago, there was a very small handful of actual chocolate makers. Mm-hmm. Now I can count at least eight in Calgary. You know, okay. most of them micro chocolate makers. Yeah. Just like, what do you think is contributing to that growth? Uh, people, you know, maybe just realizing like, yeah. oh, there's something more than, than Hershey's. Like, mm-hmm. there's, there's more depth there. Um, it's, it's a pursuit of flavor, yeah. number one. A pursuit of quality. A pursuit of um, having a connection to one's food. And yeah, the, that idea of the, the artisan, right? Mm-hmm. Like that your food can and should be artful. You know, and where it comes from and who handled it and how it was prepared actually matters. And mm-hmm. you can get at it from a nerdy angle, like, like you and I <laughs> from like nutritionally, like, oh, you know, when it's prepared on this small scale, it's more nutritious, etc. But also, you know, just from a, a flavor perspective alone yeah, as well. So after the fermentation process, not in a sauerkraut bad, <laughs> um, this wild fermentation yeah. Then where does it go from there? Yeah. And the other method, how it can be done, can be wild just on, on kind of the jungle floor or it's done in boxes, okay. kind of in a controlled environment. And that's where some of the cutting edge of craft chocolate is exploring lengths of time. And, mm. you know, when is it flipped? Like typically the pile is turned as well um, every day uh, to get a nice like even ferment. Uh, so after fermentation, then it goes drying okay. and drying is a whole art form in itself as well. Uh, you don't want to quick dry, actually, mm-hmm. um, because during that fermentation process, you'll get a lot of acetic acid flavors. Uh, through fermentation, we get a lot of sour notes. And if you dry that too quickly, um, it captures a lot of it in the bean. So it's a slow, uh, slow dry, sometimes mm-hmm. up to three weeks to oh, get wow. to the right moisture content. So you want a very specific percentage of moisture content in the drying process. If you dry it too much, if you dry it too quick, the flavor can be off. If you go too long, like... There's all these nuances, um, so it's, it's about three weeks drying process, and then from there, uh, then it will go into the hands of a chocolate maker, and they may choose to roast it, or they may choose not to roast it. This is like backwards, but or backtracking, but so going from the acorn stage, the fermentation, predominantly, like when we're considering fair trade products, are these being picked by hand, taken apart by hand, or is it, I'm going to pull the acorn off? it's going through a system to take apart. Like, obviously, it's got to stay intact. It's yeah. a quite gentle process. Like It's, it's all done by hand, actually. It's yeah. So the so neat thing about cacao is that it actually grows off the trunk of the tree, the fruit. Um, so it's a process called uh, colifery. Uh, and it's very, very few fruits are actually like this. But um, papayas are. They grow the trunk. You know, huh. versus apples, right? Everything's out right. on the branches. And it's to take advantage of, uh, oftentimes, pollinators that can't fly. They crawl up the trunk, but they can still pollinate the, the flowers. Oh, that's neat. I just like, I, and I know so many things are created with our hands, but I love the idea that these beans are taken from, when we were traveling in Sri Lanka, like just seeing people doing like tea leaves and like how that was, mm-hmm. that was harvested. I was just, yeah. I mean, it really takes it back to appreciating where your food's come yeah. from and like being is such a small thing to brings that connection to the next yeah, level absolutely. so yeah people are involved in the so process. we want to create a distinction between chocolate here uh, you know i mentioned in the beginning i was for a time i was vegetarian i realized that was you know not the best choice and it's more complex than this black and white meat right. or no meat um with chocolate we can kind of draw a line with all food, it depends on the system that it comes from. So chocolate, just like any other food, can be a commodity. And most of the chocolate we consume that we know of is a commodity food. Mm-hmm. And it comes down to lowest common denominator of money, of which shortcuts are taken, you know, left, right, and center. Mm-hmm. And at the end of it, you get a very poor quality. And that's what most of us have been consuming mm-hmm. our life for chocolate. Uh, what is emerging is this idea of craft, heirloom, uh, where there's consideration around the varieties, how it's grown, it's more environmentally sustainable most of the time, but not always. It's you know fair trade as well, uh, mm-hmm. and there's tons of documentaries and books you can read about you know the dark side of chocolate. You hear a lot about, uh, in particularly the Ivory Coast, West Africa, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of issues around uh, fair trade and mm-hmm. uh, unsustainable practices there. So that's beginning to slowly shift. 
but we want to make that distinction that there there's almost like two worlds there's yeah, two worlds to every food right there's chicken and there's chicken yeah. right well one is very nutritious the other one right like where does right. it come from it's the system chomp mm-hmm. it's exactly the same in that regard I'm just like, my mouth's open. I know. <laughs> I'm starting eating chocolate. Um, but in terms of just like, I'm I like in awe of something oh, that we love. <laughs> I, I also am not open because I'm hungry. <laughs> but like, it, it is an incredible process. So it ends up now in a crafter's hands. And has it taken you a long time to find the source that you're happy to source from? Like, getting to know your farmers. Like, you are, what what's one of your favorite areas in the world to... Yeah, to look to favorite this. area in the world is is Ecuador, without question. Um, it is the birthplace. It's the origin of chocolate. In late 2018, they confirmed uh, that absolutely that is where chocolate originated. Um, mm. They knew it was somewhere in the Amazonian basin. Could it have been Peru? Could it have been in Ecuador? Uh, but they confirmed it was absolutely Ecuador. Uh, and Ecuador now is on the international chocolate you know world map for having a very fine special uh, variety they call it the uh, Riba Nacional and uh-huh. it's uh, known to have a fine flavor fine aroma that term Ariba was when it was kind of first just quote-unquote discovered was well where's this bean coming from like how do I get more and they said it was Ariba up the Wyas River and uh, it's a very particular uh, variety that uh, yeah is is quite revered mm-hmm. but at the same time is also in somewhat competition so Ecuador as much as they know that they've got this kind of national treasure um, industry, you know, wants to follow that that path of least resistance and, and you know, commodity world, they have a hybrid um, that's been developed, which is a great industrial producer, but does not have those same qualities, those characteristics. So just because it's coming from Ecuador, what type, what variety is it? And they probably export majority of this CCN 51, it's called, okay. uh, it's a hybrid. Um, which isn't, it doesn't have a good flavor profile. That's the one that needs to be fermented for, you know, excessively long time, like 10, 12 days sometimes, just to kind of make it somewhat palatable. And it's typically uh, blended as well with other beans to kind of help and improve the quality. Um, So the explosiveness of the chocolate world is Ecuador is that why they created a hybrid like is are they having a hard time keeping up with this or no what it was is actually a disease yeah so chocolate uh, throughout the 1900s was um, ravaged by by disease and, and certain countries uh, like Costa Rica as, as an example used to be a net exporter of chocolate and in one year they went from net exporter to net importer because disease came through and knocked wow. out all their uh, all their cacao plants so uh, things like uh, witches witches broom as well as frosty pod rot is, uh, is another name and I was in Costa Rica and I uh, was traveling along and seeing cacao side of the road like yeah. you know a forest of it like literally wow. awesome like nice big old trees again these unmistakable like yellow pods hanging off the trees we stopped a van, we jump out, we do a little dance, like, woo, we found it. You know? <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask, what is your reaction? Like, I mean, seeing it, I know my reaction, seeing like a plant that I've studied or worked with right? or whatever it is, seeing it um, in the wild for the first time mm-hmm. is just such, I don't even know that I can describe it. It's just such a cool experience. It really is, yeah. Um, and it really brings that connection to the next level. So I'm curious what, like seeing it, this Vancouver Aquarium, right. which would have been really neat in itself, but then seeing it yeah. for the first time in the wild. Was it in Ecuador that you saw it first? The first well, this, the first time was actually in Costa Rica. Okay. Yeah. So Vancouver was like, kind of like, it wasn't quite, you know, there for me to reach and grab it. <laughs> You're <laughs> to look around the like, bars. <laughs> yeah. I was, I, was, I was tempted, right? Yeah. I was like, unmistakable. There it is. But I, I couldn't quite reach it. Um, it and then recently, like you crazy, mentioned, man. yeah, Calgary Zoo. You can actually see it at Calgary Zoo. They have three trees quite large and I was skeptical I was like you can see the flowers mm-hmm. but actually one of the trees in fact had uh, pods on it so I'm not sure how they're getting it pollinated yeah because um, there's in fact only one insect at least that I know of um, that pollinates cacao uh, which is a it's a midge uh, it's because a normal uh, fly like couldn't do it a huh. bee couldn't do it the flowers are too small they're beautiful orchid-like flowers. Yeah. Uh, the flowers are gorgeous to see. I mean, it's such a fascinating tree. Um, it is. It's quite a quite a, a miracle, quite an experience to, mm-hmm. to see it. And then these 
crazy pods. And sometimes like a tree, the probably the one that I had seen the most number of pods, uh, I mean, it won't sound that impressive because like, well, an apple tree, what, it's got <laughs> 70 apples on it, right? Like this one had like probably like 28 cacao pods. <laughs> Um, and, so cool. and they can get quite big, you know, it's like little mini footballs coming mm -hmm. off of the trunk of the tree. Um, so yeah, it's, it's neat. And, and to be able to like, you know, crack one of those open and taste the fresh fruit is, is, is a real experience. Yeah. yeah. That's so neat. So Ecuador is like the hometown of chocolate. So yeah. Is that... It's the homeland in, homeland in that regard. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But yet, you know, they're only now just starting to get, they're not known for chocolate making. They're known as a chocolate growing uh, country. And so all these countries of origin are starting to kind of catch up and get involved in making because it was, you know, chocolate, you know, you have the Aztecs and the Mayans were obviously known for chocolate it was a central part of their culture. Uh, they would drink the chocolate. Uh, it, that's how it was mm. traditionally consumed and so it, why would they be drinking it like what are some of your favorite like benefits of it like we so you don't have to feel bad about eating something that's obviously good because there's so much shame around like when you I'm going on a diet I'm cutting out chocolate right it's like all of the society we live in but really yeah it's a health food totally if, if you choose the right type the, right yeah. you know choose you know good high quality craft well sourced well made uh, it absolutely can be reason we get this guilt is because we're eating garbage mm -hmm. you know most of the time yeah so how does one begin to search out the good quality like just right. like for myself if i'm going to the store you know i don't have a light seller in my city or whatever right. it is you're not yeah, you yeah. have access to that although light seller offers shipping that's true too <laughs> yeah that's true too yeah although um, we don't ship bars in the, in the warm months though no that's okay. your christmas stock okay yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> So what do you look for if I'm going to the store and yeah. whatever's available there is... So I used to use the term raw as an indication. Um, okay. I don't know if it, there's tons of rabbit holes we can go down. Um, is that valid? Does that actually mean anything? Um, it, it used to, or mm -hmm. uh, but I think we've learned a little bit more. I know I definitely have. I used to be a raw foodist for a while. And, you know, there's the, the commandment, thou shall not heat your food above 108 118 degrees uh, that was based upon some research around <laughs> enzymes I... of which there's some truth to that but it's i don't know human nature right it's like oh if, it, if it's true over here it must be true everywhere mm. in blanket statement you know let's not heat our food um but yeah chocolate itself um actually even in the fermentation process goes above 118 degrees mm. Like it gets really hot, really warm, um, not enough to, you know, denature some of the properties. Right. So depending on what it is, right, like fats and oils, um, each one of those has its own heat tolerance. Um, and most cacao butter, which is the fat, the oil from cacao, has been high heat processed. So there's very, there's, you know, not enough terminology yet mm. to really kind of create these distinctions within olive oil we know oh extra virgin right that's kind of a standardized term it means something mm -hmm. where the best that we have right now is raw which is kind of again loosely tied to this you know reference of 118 degrees mm -hmm. so on that basis can't be applied but it doesn't matter because cacao the fat which is a saturated fat has a higher heat tolerance than that okay but at some point it's going to go rancid it's going to get denatured by a heat and most of the cocoa butter on the market has been um yeah high heat processed deodorized most of it's actually sold to the cosmetic industry okay um and it's not a good quality fat right it's not a good quality oil so best term for now is raw because mm -hmm. people are still using it um yeah it's, it's tough. It's a tough one to navigate. Mm -hmm. yeah. It really is. So As you go to the store and you think, okay, this one has like probably the least amount of ingredients. It's like a certain percentage must be good. Yeah. Well, that's okay. The biggest myth is that percentage equals quality. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. For a number of reasons. Um, well, first and foremost, it doesn't specify uh, the type of bean. Right? When we talk about craft versus commodity, those two different worlds. You can have a commodity bar, craft bar, both 70%. Or 80%, whatever it is, people think, oh, I'm making a good choice because it's 70%, 80%. Yeah. Let's even break that down. What does that even mean? Yeah, I so, have no idea. <laughs> right? It's like, like, cool. Yeah. Like closer to 100%. 
should be good. <laughs> yeah. It is. Like marketing on a food product is a very real thing. Like yeah. they're putting these percentages or they're putting, I don't know, organic, milk, dark chocolate, yeah. fair trade. I yeah. don't know what else they put on. Yeah. What else do they put on their milk for mar- like mark from a marketing perspective? I guess oh. you're not buying those chocolate bars. <laughs> <laughs> it's really I have no idea. Yeah. But so percentage doesn't mean anything. Doesn't mean anything. Yeah. So where can so, you read that it's a great quality bean? Or do you go by brands now at this point? I, I go by time? brand. Yeah. I think that's what it is. You really need to yeah know the brand. And often really good brands will have that transparency. They'll mm-hmm. be sharing their source. You'll look for keywords, other things that you kind of connect with and resonate. Um, even... I mean, we're opening up a big can of worms. Even fair trade actually doesn't really mean that much at all. What yeah. you want is if you can find something that says direct trade. That's a far better term than fair trade. Okay. Actually. That's a really good tip. Yeah. So, but I mean, chocolate, it's its moving. We're right on this cusp where it's, it's breaking open and it's starting to get more clarity for the consumer. Because mm-hmm. again, I mean, 10 years ago, right? Like none of us had ever heard of cacao bean 15 mm-hmm. years ago. Um, Do you think that these then craft makers can enter into a market that is so high demand, like can, because it's such a fine process, like, or quality product too, like, can you make it on such a large scale that it's going into your local larger chain grocery store? So like probably so many people are like going to their, their neighborhood grocery store, like maybe not necessarily an organic market, but they're picking up something for the movie night or something to add to a dessert. Um, can they pick up those types of well-known brands that are good for you in that spot? Or will they always stay are you going small? to have to go to a local spot that is yeah. doing more hand? I think it's always batch. best, yeah, to go local for that truly small batch. And I think, you know, from across all industries, like there never there'll never be a time where they're the big giant solo massive players. Like there'll mm-hmm. never be a company as big as Hershey's yeah. ever again. You know, like in especially in the chocolate world. Because it is diversifying out, yeah. which is a great thing. Yeah. But as that's happening, like there is better quality that's going to be available at mm-hmm. your local supermarket, but it won't ever be the best yeah. in that regard. Like I'm thinking of like the Lint or the, what's it called, Blacks or Greens, like just those brands that are on, that you're reading, like, oh, 99% dark chocolate. Yeah. Like can a small craft compete with something like that that does look to be high quality? Mm-hmm. Or can, so can they compete? Yeah. Like not... Will they be like to me? They're like a lint is a really like high quality, like you would think. Supposedly, yeah. Yeah, supposedly, like, and they're everywhere. But yeah. would you? Can the light seller be in the Loblaws across Canada? Like, can right. that grow? Is still on that that batch where it's really high quality? Like, is that something that's managed when you're taking an evaluation of all the process, all the way down to the bottom? Like, yeah. you're sourcing from a great spot. It's it's manufactured in a great way. Like, can those companies really grow? Like, I think the idea is that we would want them to. Like, I think For there sure. should be great food accessible to all. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So cer- certain companies will. They will, you know, again, grow to a certain point. Uh, it's, again, it's like craft beer. Like, is Big Rock craft microbrewery? Mm-hmm. You know, they, yeah, they've absolutely. gone above that scale. They, right. or they were originally, mm-hmm. you know, in that sense. And they've helped pave the way. Um, so yeah, there's going to be certain brands that are going to rise to a certain level and will be accessible, but I really truly hold this vision of, it'll be like the local butcher, the local baker, the local chocolate maker, you know, like that's, what's going to become more prevalent that will take up more market share or Mm -hmm. the remaining market share as those larger companies kind of shrink. And you'll always have, yeah, ones that are distributed far and wide. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about your chocolate. Well, let's let's clarify percentage first. Okay. Yeah, because that's a big mystery. Okay. Like, yes, what does it, it mean? Is. Yeah, that's true. I'm still mystified. <laughs> so, Malcolm brought a really lovely. <laughs> I just want to eat chocolate, guys. <laughs> Wait for us to try while we're talking about this, and Lexi wants in on it. So yeah, Malcolm, yeah. percentage. Tell us. All right. So percentage means uh, the number of cocoa solids, or the amount of the bar that is sourced from the cacao bean. So whatever is not cacao, that remaining percentage, most likely it's going to be sugar. Uh, maybe it's milk. Maybe it's any other ingredient that makes up the remaining percentage. So 80% means 80% of that comes from the cacao bean in any shape or form. And the remainder 20% is is what else is, is not. Right. Um, so I have seen, and this is where it kind of gets, you know, some of the mystery. So first, it doesn't clarify quality at mm-hmm. all. It doesn't 
say like what variety it was, how it was grown, processed, handled, none of that. And what it also doesn't say is we talked a little bit about cacao butter. So that's the oil, that's the fat, right? So when you take the bean, which is anywhere from, depending on the, the variety, when it's harvested, lots of factors, uh, 40 to 60% oil content, 50 is about the average, 50% fat. So if you press that, like we do any nut seed, and we extract the oil, in cacao you get cacao butter or cocoa butter, mm -hmm. and then what's left over is cocoa powder or cacao powder. Um, now, the oil looks, it's slightly yellowish, but it looks white. It's mm -hmm. like the original white chocolate. If I were to hand it to you, you would eat it, you would say, great, that's white chocolate. Like, there's nothing dark chocolate about it. Nothing right. whatsoever. Whereas the cacao powder, what's left over, that's where all that darkness, and therefore the antioxidants, the flavanols, everything you hear about chocolate being heart healthy and da-da-da-da-da. That is maintained in the darkness. That's why people are saying, well, the, the, the darker, the higher, the better. Um, now, a bean itself is 100%. Now, you can grind that like you do an almond into almond butter mm -hmm. uh, or peanut butter. You can take the cacao, you can grind it up in that same process. You'll get what's called, it's not called butter because that's the oil. It's where it gets really confusing. Okay. It's called cocoa mass, cocoa solids, cocoa liquor, cocoa paste. And it's just 100% ground bean. Now, when you're making chocolate, you're taking the bean, grinding it up, the powder, and then you're very oftentimes mixing it with butter. Um, especially European chocolate has a higher amount of butter. Uh, there are certain styles of chocolate making that don't contain butter, which is beans and sugar. Then that would be a straight, okay, 80% beans, 20% sugar. But when you're adding in the butter, you're adding in a certain percentage, which makes up that 80. Oh. So I've seen bars that are 80%, which are 80% cacao beans, 20% sugar. Makes sense. I've also seen bars that are 20% sugar, 40% beans, 40% butter, cacao butter. Mm -hmm. Now those two are gonna have a very different flavor experience and you know health benefits results mm -hmm. uh, because of that 40% cacao butter. Not right or wrong, but it's just it's just different, mm -hmm. right? It's again, it's like you've added the white portion, the white chocolate. Yeah. What is the taste of pure white chocolate? Like it's obviously like, not what I know it to be. Yeah, the cacao butter, it's fairly bland. It is like bland. it's it's got great aromatic compounds. It does have a little bit of a flavor, but it, it just it's the experience is just kind of like fairly bland and, and oily. Um, it's fantastic in things. That's where it really like its magic shines. Like take that if you want to elevate any, you know, coffee, hot chocolate, elixir, like drop some cacao butter in it. Like, mm. I mean, you know, it's really good in context. Uh, my daughter loves cacao butter just to eat it as, as is straight up. Like for her, it's always a question of, would you like chocolate or would you like cacao? <laughs> She's got to think about it, you know, like whereas for me, She's I'm just like, up in a good home. Yeah. <laughs> So me, I was just like, yeah, the butter, like, I like it in <laughs> things, you know, like, you know, I'd way rather dark, you know, like, give me the full on, you mm -hmm. know, chocolate, cacao butter's nice, but, so yeah, it's, it's fairly kind of bland, but in context, like, it really is a great ingredient to add to chocolate, mm -hmm. but you'll almost never see a chocolate maker reveal those percentages. Oh, really? That was yeah. what I was wondering, too, is how do you know? How do you know? You, you don't. Uh-huh. You have no idea. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So then, but if I'm reading a label, how yeah. do I know it's a good quality chocolate? Yeah, again, like there's no, there's no standard for it. You really have to go by brand. brand. You have to go for kind of keywords. Okay. Um, yeah. That's a solid. Or make so, it yourself. Or make it yourself. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So from there, the creativity really starts to, to come alive in terms of what you're adding. Oh, totally. So, you know, so that in the, in the chocolate world, that's called an inclusion. So we got plain dark chocolate, however you've made that. Um, yeah, when you're making it yourself, which is, is the best ever, like you can choose the sweetener, you can choose, mm -hmm. um, you know, how dark, how light it is, all that stuff. And then you get to have a lot of fun adding in these inclusions, right? Is it green tea? Is it blueberries? Is it pecans? Is it cherries? Is it Spice, medicinal herbs, mushrooms. yeah, <laughs> right, and that's when you feel like the healthiest. Oh, totally. My kids are like, "Can I have chocolate?" I'm like, yep, go for it. <laughs> it's, it's the best delivery system. So you spoke to like the flavor profiles and it being way more than wine, like yeah. way more some of these like tremendous 
luxury foods that we explore um, and you and price point too for sure so yeah it's the most affordable luxury food that exists bar none yeah so I was sharing like if you want to have <laughs> the same quality that the Queen of England has access to you can and it's going to cost you probably less than $20 mm-hmm. for the best chocolate in the world and I mean that's good news bad news like that's great for us as consumers but it's kind of a shame like it shouldn't be that way but chocolate is so tied to its commodity price um, and it's I mean this is why like you know most chocolate farmers they're totally living in poverty um, mm-hmm. and why something like direct trade is a better way to go and the whole craft movement is really helping they're paying way above and beyond uh, commodity prices mm-hmm. for quality beans because yeah it, it shouldn't be that low it's all fixed it's all rigged um, yeah, it should be. And so you were, you and your family were just in Ecuador. We were, yeah. We go down every year or every two years, um, and it's a great opportunity to just, yeah, connect more and more deeply to to chocolate and the source where it comes from. Yeah, and is this where you guys source from for yeah Eliza, these places that you're visiting? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and every time we go, we learn more. Uh, there's many different uh, regions in actual Ecuador where chocolate grows and we've been narrowing it into like where is the best mm-hmm. region like for instance if you go up north and Esmeraldas uh, the soil is known to have high heavy metal and a lot mm-hmm. of the chocolate coming from that region will have like high cadmium I mean not to the point where it's poisonous but mm-hmm. if you're consuming a lot over a period of time then you need to be careful of that yeah. uh, and the supplier that we're working with is right in that special zone up the Wyas River where that great fantastic uh, variety comes from and totally pristine areas and it's uh yeah so he's got a facility he does all of the fermentation on site okay. there as well can controls the fermentation controls the drying and that's so neat yeah and then it all comes to you here in form of the... in yeah so he sends us beans uh fermented and dried nibs which are basically the, the beans. So each bean uh, has a paper thin shell on it that okay. you can just crack. That just kind of peels off. It's like nature's packaging. Oh, well, that's what the nib is. And the nib is, is actually the nut. So once that, that shell is removed, oh. it's, it's the bean or the nut just broken apart. Okay. So that's the nib. So imagine, think of it like the original chocolate chip is what it could count. The nib. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then you guys stone grind. Yeah. Here. That's right. So we've got big giant machines, uh, granite stone on stone that grinds those. Again, like making a peanut butter, mm-hmm. turns it into a smooth, smooth, it's like ultra smooth peanut butter. Yeah. So what you want to do when you're making chocolate is you want to grind it down to the micron uh, where your tongue can no longer detect any sort of graininess. That's that's the, the experience that we know of with chocolate. Huh. It melts in your mouth. It's super smooth. Yeah. Welcome. It's so incredible, like the journey of it. So now you've got this like stone on stone grinder. Like, yeah. What were you doing in your first workshop? <laughs> oh yeah. So that's, that's on a kind of a larger commercial level is okay. the stone grinding. Uh, you can do this very easily with like a butter and paste or a butter and powder combination. So we also get cacao butter, which we talked about, the oil, the fat, the powder, which is basically the cake left over after the, the fat's been extracted mm-hmm. and then the paste. So those are all your options to work with when making chocolate. And very simply, yeah, you can whip it up. Uh, I like to give the analogy that, you know, you, you might get that craving for chocolate. Yeah. Right? Just it's, first, first is a thought. Um, there's chocolate sitting in front of me right now, so <laughs> yeah, let's be careful. <laughs> all right. Have, have a piece. Yeah. So it first it comes to the thought, right? It's just a fleeting like, oh, that'd be nice right now. And then, then it becomes like it just kind of percolates and it becomes a little bit more of a like a have to now. It's like, yeah. well, that would be nice to like, okay, it's on. <laughs> and you, you can't just go to the corner store. You got to get in your car. You got to go down the street to the health food store. You go to the health food store. You stand for the wall of chocolate. You know, there's so many options, right? Are you, are you going peppermint today? Are you saving the rainforest today? What are you doing? <laughs> you grab your bar. You could have made it quicker, better, cheaper, right. easier, more amazing, more fantastic at home with no equipment, no machinery. Just doing a simple chocolate making recipe, you know, butter powder, butter paste, your choice of sweetener, whip it up, pour it into molds and and you're good. You Mm -hmm. got it. So. And everyone listening is (laughs) on their way to get chocolate making tools now or to get a good quality chocolate because they're grueling. Actually, I have a question. So the craving for chocolate at night, is there caffeine in it? Like, is there a degree of 
can I have this too late at night and I'm not going to sleep? Like, is that Yeah, true well, everyone's different when it comes to, to any food and, and especially stimulants. So it does contain a small amount of caffeine. It is stimulating, but its main property, its main what we call methylxanthines, these are like the stimulant compounds, of which caffeine is one, which we know to stimulate the nervous system, right? You drink too much coffee, it's like, it's like <laughs> you get the shakes, right? It's like full on nervous system. Uh, whereas chocolate's got theobromine. And it's a sister molecule to caffeine. It works primarily on the cardiovascular system. So mm-hmm. it's actually, you know, works on blood flow. So it increases blood flow. You're definitely going to get a little bit of um, caffeine stimulation. Some people, it's too much. Um, and again, uh, different varieties have different levels. How is it processed? You know, it'd be interesting to see some studies, and, and there hasn't been a lot, uh, on the effects of you know, a roasted cacao bean affects the caffeine, unroasted. Um, some people, and this is more just anecdotally, I know some people who can, you know, consume unroasted chocolate, no problem. Roasted chocolate, they get affected. And then, then the complete flip. Like I know huh. someone, they can only do roasted chocolate uh, and they can't do unroasted. So anyways. It's so individual. Yeah, yeah, it really is. And so when it comes to, I can, I can eat chocolate before bed, no problem. No problem. Yeah, whereas no, I know no others like, yeah, keeps them up. Yeah, yeah, it's too much. Um, but it's primarily the theobromine is the main stimulant, but it's, it's a cardiovascular system stimulant. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the thing that dogs are allergic to is, is the theobromine. Oh, that's um, why. Yeah. Interesting. But, yeah, it's good. And that's partly what makes it such a good delivery system to put herbs, right? Like traditionally... Mm-hmm. The Aztecs, the Mayans, like they added cayenne, they added ginger, they added all these different spices. It was very medicinal, and chocolate can be that um, because it increases blood flow. There's nitric oxide in there. There's all these compounds that have this connection to the heart and to the blood flow, and now things just get in and flow better and cross the bloodline barrier, you know? Yeah, I yeah. love That's that. so neat. I do too. And even too, just like its use, I don't, some people listening may not know, but. The Light Cellar has been awarded for several years the best hot chocolate in Calgary as well. So you're going to have to come treat yourself at their elixir bar for some hot chocolate drinks that are probably featuring some of these yeah. handcrafted specialties. In, in a secret tip with, with hot chocolate, um, you know, we all grew up with like, you know, hot cocoa, right? Mm-hmm. The like powder and sugar mix. Uh, best way to make hot chocolate is to actually add a chocolate bar. Like melt the chocolate bar in, like the the level of, of chocolate experience. Chocolate bar, not a candy bar. Chocolate, chocolate bar, bar yeah, yeah. And, and not just the powder as well, because yeah. then you get that like full, rich, mm. fat experience. Okay, so we in front of us here, <laughs> a dark chocolate. What would be some like? It's just a you said it's just a plain. So this is our plain chocolate. like in-house stone ground cacao. It's seventy four percent dark chocolate. So seventy four percent makes up again. We've got our own special ratio of cacao beans to butter, and then the rest is a coconut palm sugar. Um, yeah. Does sugar, the type of sugar you're putting in there matter? It does, absolutely. And most chocolate makers, even craft chocolate makers, they'll use white sugar because um, there's so much about the flavor of the bean that white sugar is the most neutral sugar to then just showcase the flavor of cacao. Mm-hmm. If Even if you used a brown sugar or a whole cane sugar, you're going to get more of those like darker molasses notes okay. that are going to come through in the chocolate. Right. What if so, you're using something that's more liquid-based and then do you have to adjust your ratios yeah so I, I love to use honey right okay. as an example that way because you can get a really neutral honey like a clover that type of thing that can really highlight the, the flavor notes of of the cacao mm. but yeah I mean when you're making it yourself you can you can choose anything that works for you you know low glycemic go with monk fruit you can go with stevia or you can play in the realm of maple syrup honey yeah, yeah you name it It'll, it will affect the flavor. Yeah. But go with it. Why not maple, pecan, maca, mesquite? Those okay, are yeah. all good synergy <laughs> flavors, right? Yeah, totally. Yeah. I don't even know what to ask next. Lexi, you make up with you ask the question. I'm, I'm, just, like, I'm curious, but like I've obviously I have eaten several pieces of these chocolates sitting in front of us. So I'm curious what um, it's just a 74% dark chocolate. Yeah. And what are the flavor notes that I'm 
getting from oh, it. Oh, well, let's 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 put you to the test here. Let's try it. So Shoot, I was never really good at this. <laughs> but I'm not good at wine tasting me. either. Like yeah, yeah. I'm so not okay, the, you have that one. I'll have this one. I'm just kidding. The main thing is there is no right or wrong, and uh, yeah, even even to how you taste. But I think the main thing is is taste mm-hmm. intentionally. Most of us, I mean, especially me, I used to like scarf chocolate mm-hmm. bars, right? I wouldn't slow down. It was it was all about just kind of getting that that hit that fix. Um, so when you do a, a chocolate tasting, you know, start, start with your eyes, right? Like take in the packaging, you know, read it all, have that nice, like Charlie bucket moment, unfolding the wrapper, you know, revealing what's underneath, looking at it. Um, you can even tell a lot about the flavor just by the look of it. If, if you ever noticed a bar that's kind of like that whitish on the outside, oh, yeah. Um, yeah, that's something called bloom and it, you can get flat fat bloom or sugar bloom and it just means that the ingredients are kind of separating out a little bit uh, and it absolutely affects the taste yeah, yeah. i wondered about mm-hmm. that I, I have had chocolate bars mm-hmm. probably not very good quality that um i've had for quite a while and then i was like oh is it going bad right so it's not going bad it's uh it is a shelf life thing so the longer it you know sits on the shelf or what will also do it is temperature fluctuation. So it's in the car, then it's in the house, then yeah. it's in your pocket, then it's like in the fridge <laughs> and, and it's like, and then it's in your belly. Yeah. Um, that will cause uh, bloom, which affects the flavor. So, uh, and, and one of the kind of the workarounds in commercial chocolate is they'll add, you know, soy lecithin and other things to right. kind of, and waxes to help, um, you know, make sure that doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's the, the craftsmen will, will utilize what's called tempering, tempering, uh, sets the the right crystalline structure of chocolate. Um, there's several different crystal structures in chocolate, and you want what's called beta five, the beta five crystals. <laughs> yeah, still with us. <laughs> yeah, and that gives chocolate the most like uh, shelf stability, um, snap, and shine. So once oh. you've looked at the chocolate, then then take a bar and like. Like snap. snap it and like listen to it. Like, does it sound like a nice like you know like crisp? Does it speak to you? Right, a nice crisp like you know like snap. Like mm-hmm. then okay, all right. It looks good. It sounds good. <laughs> you're you're yeah. you're ready for it. It's sensory. It's good. <laughs> totally sensory, yeah. right? Yeah. Hey, this one has such a smooth finish. Like honestly, I'm so bad at this. I don't know what flavor notes I'm getting. I'm like here, picking up berry, like... but I don't even know what it is. Okay, well we're not even there yet. So next, okay. so next, then you, oh. then you have to smell the chocolate. Oh right, right. right. So, so smell is so much uh, connected to to taste. Um, so the part where you broke it, that that's where you're the most kind of those volatile mm-hmm. aromatic compounds are going to be coming off. And you can even just kind of like rub the side of it, help that kind of release even a little bit more. Rub between your fingers. Um, and again, you don't it, to start. You don't have to like smell you don't have to like sorry yeah identify right oh i'm picking up on tobacco uh leathery <laughs> oak notes here right like yeah. just just notice it and if, if words if descriptions come to mind then great call them out write them down i'm yeah. actually uh yeah i'm really getting into like having a little chocolate journal actually for all my tastings <laughs> you, you can go far with this so anyways <laughs> now we're 51 minutes far <laughs> oh, okay so now we get into tasting and just so you want to know, uh, note, you know, what's what's the initial flavor? So put it in your mouth. You kind of just break it a little bit first and then just kind of let it sit and you'll get an initial front note flavor. What is it? Right. Just kind of like, again, if you can call it out, do mm-hmm. so. Um, and then, you know, chocolate has has kind of like it can have a these mid notes and then it can have a short like within its finish, you can have a short finish or a long finish okay. and just really sit and pay attention to those notes. And this, you know, for anyone listening, this might sound like a bit of a intellectual entertainment, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and it is, uh, but there's, there's benefit to this here beyond just being able to impress your friends when you get really good at it going, oh yes, does anybody else like, taste oh, the, the, the prune notes of this bar? <laughs> totally. I just picture you on a Friday. <laughs> We actually did this for Laura's birthday recently. Uh, my wife just, you know, turned 40 and it was like, we wanted to do something fun and special. So we did a chocolate tasting with our friends. Wow. And we had like six different bars. We had origins from all around the world. We tried, there's many different ways to do tastings, but you want to, if you're going to do that, um, you want to get same percentage, like, okay, 74% from around the world, 70% from around the world. Or you can go a single origin. Okay, we're going to do just Ecuador and you can taste different percentages or you can taste different makers. Again, there's there's more more to that, but 
it's a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you know, you just have a little party with it. But the other benefit is, <laughs> you know, you'll, you can make, and this might sound incredible, but you can actually make a bar, a single chocolate bar last you a month. Easy. No problem. When you taste in this way. Right. Yeah. Having appreciation <laughs> for what that. you're doing. Right? <laughs> Slowing down, yeah. like really taking it in. Because when you are slow, you savor every yeah. bit of it and you actually are getting that that craving of chocolate that you wanted when you first started. It's satisfying. I can, I'm satisfied. Totally. Yeah. It doesn't mean I won't have more, but I'm satisfied. Right? <laughs> well, I mean, here's the most interesting about chocolate. You never develop a tolerance to chocolate. Right? When you get that craving, you make that like, oh, I love some chocolate right now. Like, there's there's a feeling that you want that you're after. It only oh, ever takes yeah. one bite. It's true. Right? It's not like, oh, I'm up to a bar a day. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you might be just for the sheer, like, I'm not saying you're going to just have one bite, but it really is. It's like, that's all it takes. It's like, yeah, oh, that was good. Right? Well, and I think a lot of people can relate. I have a chocolate cupboard that, no, like, it's a stash that no one else knows about. Yeah, the secret chocolate stash, oh, right? Yeah. There's the sharing chocolate and yeah. then the... Yeah. Yeah. That's so you cool. might actually add a third stash. So there's there's the sharing chocolate, like... You know, I'm okay to share this. <laughs> and then there's your own like personal chocolate stash. And then there's there could be your tasting chocolate stash, right? And that's how those bars like you invest in a nice like, you know, $18 bar coming from, you know, wherever, right? Um, yeah, you bring that out a few times, compare it to other chocolates. Mm -hmm. You know, like we work really well in contrast. So it's, it's actually hard to taste one bar by itself. If I were to, you know, bring one from Vietnam and put that on the table, like you would be a chocolate tasting expert. You'd be like, oh my gosh, like this one here, like this one is like so smoky. It's got this weird kind of like funky moldy taste to it or whatever, right? Like, So would you say your chocolate is like Canadian or like if someone were uh, tasting this across the world, like this is a Canadian bar or no, is this Ecuadorian? It, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's bean origin is really what defines it. Yeah. yeah. And then maker... We're just secondary. secondary. Yeah. So Malcolm, <laughs> so light seller. Somebody wants to come in for their chocolate. Like what? What is here? What is in your shop? Yeah. That so as much as I'm into the world of of chocolate, we're always doing the highest quality. Um, and when you get in the craft for for ninety nine percent of that world, it's all about flavor. They're all about like fine flavor, which is why they'll use white sugar. Which is why they'll come up with insane inclusion bars like breakfast cereal. I saw one recently that promised to take you back to your childhood, slurping up bowls of like sugary cereal with brightly colored marshmallows oh and, and all that, right? Because it's all about that flavor experience. Yeah. Um, you know, I let, I'm into the, the, the functional world mm -hmm. of, you know, functional nutrition. So we're one of the very few fine and functional uh, chocolate makers. There's a lot of functional chocolate. Yeah. But it, honestly, it's not very good, mm -hmm. right? It's just like, you're like, eh, kind of sort of yeah. like, this is good it's okay. Me. Like, I'll do it. <laughs> but let's have the best it of both worlds. Yeah. yeah, like fine flavor chocolate that's totally functional at the same time. So almost all of our chocolate has medicinal mushrooms in it. Um, yeah, and then we do other flavor inclusions as well. But it's really, we want, the chocolate is this delivery system. Mm -hmm. You know, we're all about upgrading everything with superfoods. Mm -hmm. Because why not? You know? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, we can attest this chocolate is the best chocolate I've ever had in my life. Oh, the light color. Yeah. I think we can attest too. Malcolm is a chocolate genius. Yeah. Cacao genius. Well, I know we were all over the place. Hopefully, uh, folks, you know, got a got an insight a little bit more deeper into the world of, of mm -hmm. cacao. It, it goes deeper than that. It like, does. Yeah. Just, yeah. I'm real. I'm honestly so surprised. Yeah. And you offer workshops? Yeah, also. totally. So three-hour deep-dive chocolate-making experience. I've been running that. You know, that was one of the first original uh, workshops I started teaching. Still do that at Light Cellar, um, typically about once a month. Okay. And then we do chocolate tastings as well, um, like a wine tasting, but, but with chocolate, going, going deep in that. And uh, yeah, writing the second book, my second book right now, which is on chocolate. So that's so neat. Halfway through, so <laughs> stay oh tuned gosh, for that. And so if you haven't cool. read his first book, that one is a must-have in yeah. your home too. Um, we have one final question for you. All right. Mm -hmm. So I think we know um, one of the items, but what if you were stranded in Desert Island? Oh. What would be the three things that you would have with you? It can be a person or your, you know phone or laptop kind of thing 
Right. Well, I automatically just go to food. I'd be there with my chocolate, coconuts, and uh, what was the third one? Like a whole coconut? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it could be a coconut tree, so oh, it could right. perpetually produce <laughs> <laughs> coconuts for Smart. It. Very smart. <laughs> yeah. And maybe a goat. Oh, okay. Yeah, a little companionship, a little like milk. Yeah, you know? yeah. yeah. All right. That's you need <laughs> chocolate, coconut tree, and goat. Yeah. Perfect. All right. And how long am I stranded for? Indefinitely. So Uh-oh. you chose All right. well. <laughs> okay. Um, so how can people reach you? Uh, lightseller.ca. Yeah, that's the best way. Best or way. Instagram, at lightseller. But your personal Instagram, there are so many mm-hmm. nuggets right. of your travels, your yeah. experiences with chocolate and yeah. mushrooms. And so at The Malchemist. The Malchemist. Yeah. Cool. Thank you. All right. Thanks for having me on.